Hey, everybody, welcome to another week of Trashy Divorces. My name is Stacy. Hey, everybody, I'm Alicia. Thanks for joining us today on everyone's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. Today, I'm bringing you the marital misadventures of Kenny Rogers. <laughs> you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Oh, yeah. Down the aisle five times, mm-hmm. four times, divorces. Really fun story today. He knew when to walk away. He knew when to run. So did his ex-wives. Uh-huh. Anyway. I have this fun magic mirror here before we get started on our story today. I want to give some thanks to our newest patrons who've joined us at patreon.com slash trashy divorces for early episodes, ad free episodes, bonus episodes too. Thank you so much for joining us, Danielle W. and Bree C. Huge thanks. A few other names I see mm. here in the magic mirror. We have some birthday wishes we do to give out to two of our favorites, Sarah A. and Snoopy L. Happy, happy birthday. Mm-hmm. We have some wedding mazels. Just just life events happening everywhere. Big love to Tracy and Christine, who both have gotten married, but not to each other. That's correct. Okay. Congratulations on your nuptials. Wanted to clarify. Really excited. We've got some thanks to give out as well. Our friend Cindy from London sent us a delightful little care package with mm-hmm. some seeds from Super Bloom. Yep. A few other little prizes. Spring's going to be very pretty over at TDHQ too. And our friend Kelly down under in Australia. Y'all, can you believe it? Knitted blankets for Inman and Barnaby. Crocheted. Crocheted blankets. And now Inman and Barnaby are the most spoiled cats Uh in the history of cats. Absolutely. We are also thinking of Jenny and Carol. Sending big love to the both of y'all from Trashy Divorces headquarters. Big week. Big week for our pandas. A lot of life events happening. All over. Hey, before we begin with Kenny Rogers, I have one more trash candy item on my list here. Stacy, you and I are doing a virtual live show November 3rd, we Thursday are. night from right here. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's going to be a huge amount of fun. Thank you to everyone who has already bought tickets. And if you want to get your ticket, go to moment.co slash trashy divorces, and I'll put the link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Stacy. I've made a life out of reading people's faces, <laughs> mm-hmm. knowing what their cards were by the way they held their eyes. Indeed. So if you don't mind me saying, I can see you're out of aces. For a taste of your whiskey, I'll give you some advice. Is it go, go, go? All right, Alicia, you have a very famous gambler. Is that correct? Gambled a lot on the love. Got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away, know when to run. Kenny Rogers was one of the most successful country music stars in the 1970s and Mm -hmm. 1980s. His appeal crossed over multiple genres from country, top 40, adult, contemporary, and R&B. He was huge. Huge, huge. Kenny was the first country music artist to consistently sell out large arenas and was one of the pioneers who made country music mainstream. In the six-decade career of Kenny Rogers, he sold over 120 million albums Good Lord. and had 24 number one songs. Can you imagine 24 number one songs? He's best known for his number one hits, such as the Gambler. The Gambler. Every gambler knows secret to survival is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to keep. 
That's his marriages, actually. We're going to get there. Okay. Uh, but you can't forget about Lady. Mm-hmm. Islands in the Stream. Yep. Lucille. Mm-hmm. Don't Bring Your Love to Town. Through the Years. Oh, through oh God. The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's an 80s flashback. Do you feel like you're five again? Mm-hmm. His signature story song, Ballad Style, also made Kenny a star of television movies, with several movies in the Gambler series, as well as the film The Coward of the County. Kenny also starred in other movies like Six Pack. Do you remember Six Pack? And uh, made several television appearances. Kenny Rogers finds a great deal of success from his collaborations with Dolly Parton. Islands in the Stream was a number one hit in 1983. Good Lord. Spent 24 weeks on the chart. It's so cheesy to listen to now, but yeah, it fills me with nostalgia every time I hear it. Dolly and Kenny, this duo also did a Christmas special in 1984 called, appropriately enough, Kenny and Dolly, A Christmas to Remember. To go along with their hit Christmas album called Once Upon a Christmas. In Spiderwebs this week, I have a Kenny and Dolly follow-up. They were not romantically involved. I have a charming, wonderful Spiderweb story. Dolly is coming on Patreon. Hero of all things. Mm -hmm. God, we love Dolly Parton. Yep. Along the way to his phenomenal and groundbreaking musical success, Kenny Rogers has had his share of personal ups and downs. Kenny's been married five times. Guy that is certainly never afraid to walk down the aisle. Fortunately, Kenny will find happiness and contentment in his fifth and final marriage, which lasts for 22 years Hmm. from 1997 up to his death in 2020 from bladder cancer. Hmm. When discussing his thoughts on his many marriages and divorces, Kenny admits that it was his passion for his music career that caused his marriages to fail. He called his career the quote-unquote difficult mistress that his wives had to compete with. It was his career that he cheated with. He never, he didn't cheat with other women. Interesting. His career was his difficult mistress. Let's get into it. Kenneth Donald Rogers was born August 21st, 1938 in Houston, Texas. He's the fourth of eight children born to Edward and Lucille Rogers. Later, his mother Lucille would take issue with his song (laughs) Lucille, as it depicted a woman who left her family named Lucille. Mm -hmm. However, Kenny didn't write that song. And his mother never abandoned her family. It was just merely a coincidence. Kenny grows up poor in the San Felipe Courts, which is a housing project in Houston's Fourth Ward. Kenny says as a child, he and his siblings didn't really realize how poor they were because everyone around them was just as poor as they were. Makes sense. It wasn't until the kids at school pointed out to him, helpfully not, that he was poor, and that his clothes were ugly and tattered, that Kenny begins to realize the full situation of his family. Ah, kids. Yeah. Kenny's dad was an alcoholic, but was never mean to his children. However, Kenny's father's alcoholism definitely contributed to the family's less than advantageous financial position. Kenny, though, always interested in music. He struggled to build his career and become a better artist, Kenny spends the majority of his young life and early adulthood kind of going from band to band, playing music with very little monetary gain before hitting it big. He's just out there doing his craft, finding an ear to listen to his song. First up, marriage number one to Janice Way Gordon. Kenny's going to get married for the first time when he is 
19 years old. Mm. The two meet. This is Janice and Kenny at a high school talent contest. Kenny Rogers in his memoir, Luck or Something Like It, Kenny describes Janice as, quote, beautiful and truly one of the sweetest girls I'd ever met, unquote. Now, kind of interesting spiderweb here. Janice is a talented dancer. She is a student of Patrick Swayze's mom, who was a renowned dance instructor long before her son becomes famous for his moves. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, this marriage for Kenny wasn't exactly his choice. Although he says he was really happy to do it, Janice was the first girl that Kenny had sex with. And the very first time the couple had sex, Janice becomes pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the phone rings. Kenny gets an angry call from Janice's mother who said, you need to get over here right now. We have plans to make you and Janice are getting married on Saturday. My daughter is pregnant and you are responsible. Yeah. Come tonight and be prepared to get married on Saturday, young man. Hmm. Do you understand? Kenny did understand, and Kenny and Janice got married on May 15th, 1958. Their daughter, Carol, was born the following September. And Kenny writes that he doesn't feel trapped or cheated out of anything. He thinks the idea of being married is pretty cool. Kenny begins to take any musical job he could find with a young family to support. And Kenny's also working day jobs to earn enough money to be able to support his growing young family. Janice's parents were the problem in this one because Janice's parents are never happy with the amount of money that Kenny Rogers is making or the fact that Kenny wants to go strum on his little guitar and pursue this musical career when you should be going to a regular job. Yeah. Well, and if you've got a day job and you're, you know, playing gigs at night, when, when are you spending time with your family? Well, you're trying to support your family, right? It's young, young kids, young marriage. It's tough. So when the baby's about six months old, Janice and Kenny have a fight. A lot of couples do have fights. And sometimes when that happens, somebody leaves the house. Kenny decides to go outside and take a walk, just cool off, walk around the block. When Kenny gets back to his home, Janice's mother is there helping Janice pack all of her shit. Wow. Janice's mother tells Kenny, you've ruined my daughter's life and I'm taking her out of here. And don't you ever call her again. I know. Wow. Janice's mama. Whoa. Kenny, distraught. Kenny calls several times and attempts to reconcile with Janice. And Janice seems willing to try as well. And when Kenny asks Janice, like, let's meet, let's talk about this. (laughs) Janice says she has to ask her mother and then puts the phone down and goes to ask her mother. And comes back and says, I'm sorry, Kenneth, but my mother won't let me go. Wow. You are a married woman with a child. Yeah. In April of 1960, after being married less than two years, the couple's divorce was finalized. Soon after this, Janice tells Kenny that she is going to get married again, this time to a different high school boyfriend of Mm. hers. Janice asks Kenny to let Carol be adopted by the new husband, And change her name so that they could all have the same last name. And Kenny reluctantly agreed. He'll write, I'm not sure I handled the situation in the best possible way, but I was very young and simply made what I thought was the best decision at the time. About his first marriage, Kenny said in an interview, that was a thing where her parents thought I'd ruined her life and were determined to break me. It didn't work. And it's really sad because I think it could have worked. 
Kenny also goes on to explain that he and Janice both agreed that Kenny himself would play a limited role in his daughter's life upon their split. Kenny tells Fox News, That was my promise to them, that I would be her father, but he, his ex-wife's second husband, would be her dad. And I don't want to disrupt that. He stepped in at a time that was really awkward for all of us, and he became her dad, and I love him for that. He was a good guy. Hmm. Marriage number one. Yeah. Out. Bizarro marriage. Folded. Not playing that hand anymore. Yeah. Deal me again. Second marriage. <laughs> number two, Gene Rogers. Oh, Gene. So Kenny's musical career is steadily moving forward. Although he hasn't really made any big break yet and isn't earning very much money with it, but Kenny will meet and fall in love with a woman named Jean Massey. The couple married less than a year after Kenny and Janice split. Hmm. So getting married 1960. Kenny's second marriage is the one that is the least known about and that he has talked and written about the least. More than likely, it's due to the fact that this marriage might just be fairly uneventful. Kenny admits that really all of his failed relationships probably failed in great part to his obsession with his musical career. In his memoir, Kenny writes, I've long thought about my marriages and about being so career-driven. Just the other night, I sat up in bed and thought, you know, Kenny, there's a fine line between being driven and being selfish, and I may have crossed that line. Hmm. During this marriage, Kenny's working six hours a night. He's rehearsing four hours a day with his band and then working paying jobs in between that. Obviously, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for Gene, for Kenny, and the couple will divorce in 1963 after three years of marriage, having no children together. In 2006, Kenny tells The Independent, That only lasted three years because we finally realized this isn't right. And in the end, it was boring for me and for her. Hmm. I guess that's a factor, though. You're you're in your early 20s, and God, if you're, so if you're bored, yeah, like, okay. It's not working. So, okay, that's two marriages up, two marriages down. We're going to come back with marriage number three after we take a quick break to hear from our sponsors this week. All right, we'll see you on the flip. All right, Alicia, so Kenny Rogers looking for excitement and love. Kenny clearly loves being married. He's not afraid of commitment. It's not going to take too long for marriage number three to come knocking on his door, dealing him that particular set of cards. Not long after Kenny's second divorce, he met his next wife, Margot Anderson. Kenny says Margot is different from anyone he'd ever met. Not only was she beautiful, she was smart. I mean, Mensa smart. Margot is working at the Houston Bunny Club a local version of the Playboy Club. Okay. Margot had previously been married to an undercover narcotics officer. <laughs> so Margot also is pretty street smart. She's pretty savvy about the world. One thing that Kenny really enjoyed about his relationship with Margot was that he loved her parents. They got along really great. Margot's parents always treated him with respect and kindness. Kenny will go on to describe the Relationship with he and Margot as explosive, mm. quote unquote. Well, that's different. Change of pace. Well, explaining that when it was good, it couldn't be better. But when it was bad, it was awful. One story he shares about Margot was the time they were driving in icy hazardous conditions in Nevada in the middle of winter. The roads were frozen solid with snow. 
over the top. And since Kenny's from Houston, he's a Texas boy, he has no experience in driving in, like, inclement weather. Sure. So Kenny and Margot reach the top of the hill on a very narrow and icy road. Kenny doesn't have control over the car and they're just sliding. Luckily, they were barely moving, but he knew he couldn't stop the car. So Kenny's afraid the car is going to careen down the hill. Yeah. So he thought Margot should get out while they were still safe and the car was moving slowly. And he said, get out. You can make it. He said he was confident she would make it because she was really athletic, mentally strong. She opened her door, jumped out and started running alongside the car. He writes, I watched this little 110 pound woman hold on to the car door dig her heels into the ice and struggle to keep the car upright at the same time yelling to me, throw me my mink. Oh my God. <laughs> the couple dates about six months before they get married. Their son, Kenny Jr. was born on May the 24th, 1964. I gather by this point, he's achieved some measure of prosperity or maybe Not she had, it's, maybe it's, she had the mink. Okay. It's coming. It's coming. It was her mink. Maybe. Okay. Many years later, Kenny tells the Independent, So then I met this girl, and that was really an exciting relationship, which lasted 12 years, and out of it, we had a son. In fact, the first nine years were as good as it gets, and it was only the last few that got ugly. I was touring a lot, and that is part of what killed the marriage. It's in this marriage that he really has some breakthrough success. Okay. In the mid-1960s, Kenny is touring with a band that included Kim Carnes and her husband, Dave Ellingson, Betty Davis eyes, Kim Carnes. It was also during this time that Kenny tried to change up his look to better suit the whole 1960s vibe. So Kenny starts parting his hair down the middle, gets a gold earring. This is the fun addition in accessories. He starts to wear rose tinted glasses. <laughs> yeah, this is a very different look from what Kenny's ultimate look will be when he starts to make a name for himself as a solo artist. In 1969, Kenny Rogers and his band, The First Edition, recorded the song that would propel his career and become the type of song he would become synonymous with, the Song Story Ballad. This song was called, it's one of our favorites around here, Ruby, Don't Take Your Love to Town. Hmm. One of our favorites because our dog is named Ruby. Yes. Ruby Tallulah. Not for the song, but we sing this sometimes to her. Most of Kenny's future hits would also be story songs, again, including Coward of the County, Lucille, Reuben James, The Gambler. By the mid-1970s, Kenny Rogers was a well-known singer, but not yet the country music icon that he would become after The Gambler. During this time, Kenny's doing a show in the lounge of the Hilton Hotel in Las Vegas, and Elvis Presley is doing a show in the main showroom. And one night, Elvis shows up at Kenny's dressing room, and Kenny is shocked. Oh, yeah. And at first thought, Elvis came to the wrong dressing room. You're in the wrong place. And Elvis is like, no, man, hey, I really like your music. Hmm. Stunned into silence. Kenny babbles on, I, I like your music too, Elvis. Yeah. And so the two sit down and talk for a while. And Elvis reveals to Kenny Rogers that Elvis would slip into the back of the lounge and watch Kenny's show after he was done with his. Hmm. Elvis then invites Kenny to come see him perform the next night. Kenny writes, Every time I went to see him, he would always introduce me as his friend and invite me to come backstage after the show. 
Interestingly, looking back, I never saw him in street clothes. It was always stage clothes or his famous robe. He was always soaking wet with sweat. Hmm. I am sure what I got was only a snapshot of his life, but that much success seemed so lonely. I think he just enjoyed having someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. One night, Kenny told Elvis he was going to go play blackjack. And Elvis told him how much he would love to just walk out and play blackjack some night, but knew he'd never be able to. Several months after Elvis died, his last girlfriend, Ginger Alden, tells Kenny Rogers that Elvis had told her many times that his favorite song was the one Kenny Rogers had written called Sweet Music Man. It's a nice song. This touched Kenny Rogers deeply and said he understood how Elvis could relate to this song, especially as he got older. Some of the lyrics of Sweet Music Man. Oh, it's so nice. Sing your song, Sweet Music Man. You travel the world with a six-piece band that does for you what you ask them to, and you try to stay young, but the songs are sung to so many people who've all begun to come back on to you. Hmm. So sing your song, Sad Music Man. You're making your living doing one-night stands. They're three with you. They don't need you. You're still a hell of a singer, but a broken man. But you'll keep on looking for one last fan to sing to. But nobody sings a love song quite like you do, and nobody else could make me sing along, and nobody else could make me feel that things are right when they're wrong. With a song, nobody sings a love song quite like you. Hmm. So sing your song, Sweet Music Man, I Believe in You. It's a really nice song. Kenny Rogers, very talented. Sure. But we're here for the divorces part, and alas, being on the road had taken its toll on Kenny's marriage to Margot. Trust had become an issue, as well as the physical distance within the couple make them emotionally distant as well. Margot had also begun to experiment with psychedelic drugs, yeah. which wasn't all that unusual in the time in Los Angeles, sure. but something that Kenny Rogers was not comfortable with. Kenny realizes that the marriage is finally over when he comes home one day and finds a young man's clothes hanging in his closet. Yikes. That's rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. One less set of footsteps <laughs> on your floor. Uh, Kenny said he didn't completely blame Margot. He knew he'd been absent far too much. Kenny writes, I was so blinded by ambition in those years, so preoccupied with making it in the music business every minute of the day. I wouldn't have seen a problem in the marriage if you hit me in the head with a two by four. Hmm. I identified with my career and not much else. Story we've heard before. Tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. Kenny goes on to say that a lot of marriages in the late 1960s, early 1970s had fallen victim to, quote, sex, drugs, and outlandish lifestyles, hmm. unquote. Margo and Kenny do divorce in 1976. Got a little independence from each other. Kenny doesn't want to put himself in a situation of making alimony payments to her and being reminded forever of the failure that just that was tough to him. So instead, Kenny opts to give her a huge one-time settlement lump sum, yeah. for the amount she asked for. Naturally, Kenny does continue to make monthly child support payments for his son, Kenny Jr., who was 11 years old mm -hmm. at the time of the divorce. Kenny, the father, strongly wants a relationship with Kenny, his son, and naively assumed that he would continue to have one. 
But then the battle over their son becomes very, very ugly, and it was a struggle for Kenny Rogers to maintain his bond with his son throughout this time. Kenny doesn't choose to say much on this battle, but he will write, She is the mother of my son, so I will choose my words carefully. This is rough, though, because he's already lost, you know, his first kid. Man, that's rough. Sadly, Margo moves away with Kenny Jr. and doesn't allow Kenny Rogers' father to see his son for several years. Wow. The court battles rage on until Kenny receives a phone call from Margo's mother telling him that the court battles were tearing Kenny Jr. apart and begging him to stop. Kenny Rogers writes, I agreed to stop my court proceedings, a decision I have always regretted. Hmm. I should have fought for my son. I thought at the time I was doing what was best for him, but later I would discover how much my actions had hurt him. Happily, though, later on in life, Kenny father will reconcile with Kenny's son and they rebuild their broken relationship. Of his son, Kenny Rogers writes, he has always been and still is an amazingly brilliant and talented young man. His mother deserves all the credit for that. I am very proud of him and I thank her. Hmm. Kenny Rogers Jr. does follow his father into the music business with the help and blessing of his famous father. Kenny Jr. writes musical scores. He's worked at Paramount Television composing television themes. And it's actually Kenny Jr.'s voice that sings the iconic Extra Extra before the television show Extra. Huh. Yeah, a little spiderweb for you there. Okay. So after three failed marriages... You might think that Kenny Rogers would have taken a little break before trying his hand at matrimony again, but you would be wrong. (laughs) Kenny writes, I like almost everything about marriage. What it all boils down to, I guess, is I'm a nesting kind of person. The only one of my seven siblings who has anything vaguely negative to say about marriage is my sister Sandy, who has turned out to be the great caregiver in the family. She never married and laughs. When she says, there's no need for everyone in this family to be miserable. (laughs) By 1976, Kenny realized how much appeal he had in the world of country music. He was leaning more and more towards Nashville instead of the Los Angeles music scene. So trying to make a musical transition, Kenny's agent books him on the most popular country-oriented television show during that time, Hee Haw. Yep. Mm. Oh, many a weekend afternoon were spent watching Hee Haw. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> it is here that Kenny will meet his fourth wife, Marianne Gordon Trachillis, who was in the middle of her own amicable divorce. Kenny and her ex-husband, Michael Trachillis, would become good friends. And Michael Trachillis would actually produce the movie Six Pack, which Kenny starred in. Interesting. It, it, amicable divorce. Uh-huh. There are no complications there with Marianne. Okay. Now, Kenny was broke from his last divorce and subsequent court battles, but Marianne doesn't seem to care about his financial problems. Marianne will even loan Kenny money for his child support payments when he wasn't able to make them. We all know now that Kenny Rogers' decision to embrace Nashville was a wise one and It was with country music that he becomes an icon, capital I. In 1977, Kenny and Marianne marry. 
It was also in 1977 that Kenny Rogers hits gold with the song Lucille. Hmm. Which made his mother unhappy. Very unhappy. Kenny will become a master at the country story song. And once he found his niche, the hits just keep pouring in with, oh gosh, every time two fools collide, love or something like it. The gambler, oh, she believes in me. Good Lord. In 1979, Kenny is named Male Vocalist of the Year by the CMA, Country Music Association, and the ACM, the Academy of Country Music. Also, Entertainer of the Year by the Academy of Country Music. It was a big, big year. Kenny is touring all of the time again and making more money than he could have imagined. Marianne, his wife, goes on tour with him and their marriage is going strong. The 1980s were the most successful years of Kenny Rogers' professional life. His personal life is going well. In 1980, he scores big with the crossover success of Lady, written by previous Trashy Divorces alum, Lionel Richie. Hmm. The number one hits keep on coming with I Don't Need You, Through the Years, ah, We Got Tonight, Islands in the Stream, Crazy and Morning Desire. In 1981, Marianne learns that she's pregnant. Marianne and Kenny's son Christopher is born December 4th, 1981 where the couple will then decide to move to Marianne's hometown of Athens, Georgia, to give their son a more normal childhood and be close to her family. Thus was R.E.M. founded. No, I'm kidding. No, thus was Kenny Rogers' Chicken Restaurant. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think Athens might have been the original location. Okay. So good. All right. In 1984, Kenny and his good friend Dolly Parton release a popular Christmas album and accompanying television movie. In 1985, guys, this is a blast through the past. Kenny Rogers was an integral part in the USA for Africa charity single, We Are the World. Sure. We are the children. I we mean, are the ones that make a brighter day. So <clears throat> let's start giving. And then, ellipses, <laughs> the Gambler TV series and movies happened. And if all that success wasn't enough, in 1991, huzzah! Kenny Rogers starts the chicken-based restaurant chains bearing his name, Kenny Rogers Roasters. Kenny's riding high. Yeah. Chicken and gold albums. Chicken and gambling. (laughs) Despite having a seemingly wonderful marriage, Kenny Rogers and Marianne Gordon do announce their divorce in 1993. This is after a lot of, almost two decades of marriage. Marianne Gordon talks to Closer Weekly after Kenny Rogers' death in 2020 and says, I always felt his total focus was on me. If anyone wanted anything from him, he was looking me in the eye and said whatever she wants to do. I think that when he turned 50, I didn't have his full attention anymore, but it looked like he still wanted me here. His life was such an open book, and after two years, he felt this craving, this longing. He said he felt he was having a midlife crisis, He felt like his career was fading. Marianne will continue this interview admitting that she was heartbroken over his death. He was an incredible person. It's very upsetting when I start talking about him. For 17 of our 21 years together, every day, he was so sweet. In the divorce settlement, this is a record for this time. Hmm. Marianne walks away from the marriage with Sixty six zero million dollars. It's roughly a hundred and twenty million dollars in today's money, 
Kenny Rogers doesn't protest at all. Wow. He was broke when they met. Sure. Okay. So here's 66 million. <laughs> yeah. Here's 60 I mean, million. Have fun. Talk about success. I mean, because those dollar figures in the 80s, 90s, whatever, like, whew, it's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a lot. Kenny, though, not even upset. Kenny taking it in stride. There's another hand that I'll get dealt in 2006. Kenny talks about what he feels causes the marriage to change and his feelings on the settlement. Kenny says, Marianne really did deserve the 60 million because she's a great girl and we had a perfect marriage for 15 years. In fact, everything was fine until our son Christopher was born, but I wouldn't want him to take any responsibility for this because that's when Marianne stopped touring with me and stayed home to take care of him. And then when I came home from touring or doing a tennis tournament, I found that our lifestyles were clashing. Mm -hmm. So one day we just said, life is short. We deserve to be happy. Let's find something else to do with our lives. And the marriage ended. Hmm. So after Kenny's divorce from Marianne, Kenny finds himself single, really for the first time since he was 19 years old. Yeah. The reality does descend <sighs> upon him and Kenny realizes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can date as many women as I want to. <laughs> This freedom is enticing. It's really attractive. But soon, this freedom that Kenny, his newfound freedom mm -hmm. that Kenny has experienced. His midlife crisis freedom. Yeah, is landing him in the tabloids. Right. Kenny writes, at that point in my life, I enjoyed talking to beautiful, alluring women on the phone. Just a single guy with a 1-900 number. Do you remember 1-900 numbers? It seems so different today. So... Uh, Kenny continues, I enjoyed talking to beautiful, alluring women on the telephone. These were private conversations intended only for me and whomever I invited on the chat line. To do this, I used, in what now sounds like something from the Ice Age, a restricted phone number that only this group and I had access to and that required a code to access. Kenny will write that this felt like the ultimate quote-unquote safe sex to him. He said it was never about the physical contact for him, but for the erotic and sexually explicit messages. So you're telling me that Kenny Rogers set up his own 1-900 number and... I don't know if he set his own one up, but he's using one. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Because they're, I mean, yeah, they used to advertise those on late night TV. And, oh, yeah. You know, I'm assuming like, it's not his own personal network because, okay. as you may have guessed, these conversations and do not stay private. Right, recorded. Recordings are made, mm -hmm. and those recordings are leaked to the National Enquirer. Great. The women who released the recordings hired lawyers and went for a lot of money, claiming they had been sexually harassed. Wanting to get out of the tabloids and put the issue to rest, Kenny Rogers agrees to settle the lawsuits, but for a much lower figure than what the women were originally asking for. By today's standards, it is hard to imagine that a sexually explicit phone conversation where two people never met in person would attract any media attention whatsoever, but it was a different time. It was a different time. And I guess it's, you know, when you're. Kenny Rogers, your reputation is kind of, it would just, it would be an unexpected thing to learn about Kenny Rogers. And obviously the Inquirer had some fun with it. Let's move on to wife number five. Kenny is going to find mm -hmm. some lasting happiness. And despite his National Enquirer scandal, 
being a little bit stressful, there was a good thing that came out of it. Kenny will meet his fifth and final wife, Wanda Miller. It's a little scandalous, though. It's kind of trashy. Although at the time of the wedding, the marriage was a little trashy scandalous due to the age difference between the two. However, I do want you to know that Kenny and Wanda stayed together for over 22 years until his death. What was the age difference? I'm going to tell you. In 1992, let's, let's get these two together first. Let's set up the story. In 1992, Kenny's in a restaurant and a beautiful young woman that happens to be the hostess walks by and catches his eye. Caught my eye and put it back. Kenny said her smile was so genuine it, quote, rocked him to his core. Kenny later goes to the manager of the restaurant for the hostess's name. And Kenny was told her name was Wanda and that she was very sweet and that she was 21 years old. To answer your earlier question, <laughs> Kenny Rogers is 54 hmm. years old. Well. After hearing Wanda's age, Kenny told the manager thank you, but he could not date a 21-year-old. And he was disappointed, but did not see how a relationship would work out with that large of an age difference. It's a lot. But then the phone rang, and it was the restaurant manager. She's not 21. She's 26. Lies. <laughs> Although those five years couldn't have made that much difference, Kenny decided that he could make 26 work <laughs> and asked the manager to talk to Wanda to see if Wanda would give Kenny permission for Kenny to call her. Mm -hmm. This is very convoluted. <laughs> this poor restaurant manager. I know, like being the love affair coordinator. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> Kenny and Wanda have a 28-year age gap. Kenny is two years older than Wanda's parents. There was an interview with Fox News where Kenny Rogers confessed that Wanda's parents called Kenny to say that they did not appreciate what Kenny was doing with their 26-year-old daughter. Okay, so she was actually 26. Correct. Okay, all right. But still, awful yeah. big age Oh, for difference. sure, for sure. Kenny will tell Wanda's parents, you know what? I don't blame you. I'm the father of three kids, and I don't think that I would appreciate it either. But he makes a promise to Wanda's parents and says, I promise you that I'm never going to lie to Wanda and I'll never lie to you. And Kenny will keep that promise. And soon enough, Kenny and Wanda's parents become close friends. Hmm. Despite the age difference, Kenny and Wanda date for five years before they do get married June the 1st, 1997. The couple will have twin sons in 2004. It is in 2012 that Kenny Rogers tells Reuters, Wanda and I have been together now for 20 years, been married 15 years. She's 28 years younger than me, and I say this from the bottom of my heart. She is my soulmate. She knows me better than anyone else has known me. She loves what I do, and I'm not as insensitive to her needs as I may have been in the past. Ironically, it may have been the age difference that helped this marriage last. Because as Kenny's getting a little bit older, Kenny's got less desire and energy to go out and tour mm. more. So Kenny's naturally at home more with his wife and kids and able to share with them, give them some attention. Mm -hmm. His Be present, yeah. His career is no longer his mistress, per se. In October 2017, a tribute concert called Kenny Rogers, All In for the Gambler, was filmed. It included Dolly Parton, Chris Stapleton, Lionel Richie, 
Reba McIntyre, The Judds, Little Big Town, many other performances that actually had to be cut to fit the hour-long broadcast time frame. Hmm. The grand finale of the live tribute was with Kenny's dear friend, Dolly Parton, singing I Will Always Love You to Kenny Rogers with her arm around him. It was a fitting farewell tribute to the singer that had had such an enormous impact on country music. Kenny Rogers does pass away from bladder cancer at his home March 20th, 2020, at the well-lived age of 81 years old. Because of COVID, it was not until two years later when Kenny was given a proper memorial and funeral. Kenny Rogers is buried at Oakland Cemetery, just right down the street in Atlanta, Georgia. It does appear that the gambler finally broke even. And that is the trashy divorces ride of Kenny Rogers. Fifth time's the charm. Fifth time's the charm. You gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Know when to approach the restaurant manager. (laughs) (laughs) You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the trashy's done. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> I don't know how many trash cans. I mean, you know, committed to Kenny his Rogers, career. It doesn't yeah. seem like he, you know, Kenny was a trash bag by any stretch of the imagination. He always tried to do what was super nice mm-hmm. or better for his family and wives. And hey, successful fifth marriage. Trash cans. I don't know. They all live at the Grand Old Opry, probably. Probably. They're all sitting in the back of the hee haw set. <laughs> Probably. (laughs) Kenny Rogers, that's a delightful story. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in to this episode of Trashy Divorces. Stacey, you're going to be back with us on Wednesday with a brand new Trashy Divorce. Oh, yeah. Many thanks to all of y'all who've already bought your ticket for our live show coming up November the 3rd. We have a Trash Candy Confidential behind the scenes from the studio. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Stacey, where can everybody get tickets for that? Get your tickets at moment.co slash trashy divorces. If you need more trashy divorces, in the meantime, you can always catch us over at patreon.com slash trashy divorces. I did add a few more free episodes in our free Patreon link if you want to give that a test out and see the kind of stuff you'd hear. For anybody who really enjoyed our past episode this week about the Tudors to the Stewart dynasty, there's a super extra honking long. Trashy Tutors episode about Lady Jane Grey and how all of that went down. You can get our Patreon free episode, Stacey Ware. At bit.ly slash trash candy. Just plug that into your browser. Holy cats, all trash candy all the time. <laughs> We're just dealing it up. We, yes, we are. Trash dealers. <laughs> trash Incorpor- candy dealers. Incorporated. Y'all, big love. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in, for telling your friends about Trashy Divorces, for your kind emails, for your reviews, for generally just being the awesome people that you are. Absolutely. We can't wait to be back with you on Wednesday. Until we meet again, keep Keep, those hands clean. Keep your hearts trashy, friends. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia 
with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again, everybody, for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.